0: You are Locked on Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Thursday morning episode of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked on Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back today because we have a fantastic game tonight. Two top ten ranked teams, Iowa versus Michigan. It should be a ball. And to cover and preview this game, we have Isaiah Hole of Lockdown Wolverines doing a crossover episode covering the Iowa versus Michigan game. Before we get into that game, though, please make sure to like, review, and subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast. If you like it, please make sure to do that and also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I don't do I don't do this often, but I do want to say thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode and all of our episodes of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. With that being being said, let's hop into the main event today and talk about Iowa versus Michigan with Isaiah Hole of Locked On Wolverines. All right, it is Isaiah Hole of Locked On Wolverines and Andrew Wade of Locked On Hawkeyes. And we are here for a crossover episode breaking down tonight's game, Iowa versus Michigan. Isaiah, man, it is uh it's a blast to be here. I'm excited Michigan's playing basketball again. There was a weird three weeks, but uh, how are you doing today?
1: Uh good. You know, just uh anxiously awaiting Yet another big game for Michigan basketball it's like n- no rest for the I, I was going to say no rest for the wicked because that's that's my that's my inner metal coming out. But I, I that would be weird for me to say that my you know, my side's wicked, uh, but not, nonetheless, it's it's been a, uh, a challenging week since they came back because it's just been big game after big
0: game. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would argue that most of the big 10 thinks Michigan is wicked. Uh, The fact that they, you know, they had those three weeks off, they have such a big lead in the big 10 conference, but they come up on a very tough uh, stretch of games here, starting with Iowa and Michigan's only lost one game. And that was to Minnesota. What happened in that one game versus Minnesota, which has seemingly been almost unstoppable at home. Iowa has been also on the the wrong side of a Minnesota or Minnesota game as well. What went wrong in that Minnesota loss?
1: Well, they didn't have Eli Brooks was one of the big things, I think. And uh, it, I think that that played a big factor, both defensively. Uh, he might be one of the better defenders in, if, in the Big Ten. Uh, didn't have his best game against Ohio State. But nonetheless, he, he's a, he, you know, a lot of people look at the, the box score. Look at what did you do on the offensive side? Eli Brooks has an immeasurable uh, contribution on the defensive side. They didn't have him. Uh, I think they just kind of at that point, because the second half, they just kind of didn't look the same. You wonder how much from a leadership standpoint, not having Eli Brooks out there was because they they were flat. And it's the only time I think we've really seen Michigan be flat. It was in the second half. And that's something we also don't usually see. Usually Michigan seems to get better in the second half. You saw kind of what they were able to do against Ohio State against Wisconsin the first time around like the second half they went on that 40 to three run or whatever it was it's uh that's that's usually what you end up seeing from Michigan is they get better in that second half but I feel like just kind of coming off of it, it was an emotional stretch in a way because yeah some of these teams didn't turn out the way that we thought they would like Minnesota but like you go Northwest you know northwestern and it was like well let's see if Michigan can do this they do it Okay, well, they got a tougher test against Minnesota. Let's see if they can do that. They do it. Well, well, Wisconsin's coming, so it's going to end for them now. And then they beat Wisconsin handily. So then they go back to Minnesota. I just wonder if, to some degree, it was just, like, get kind of getting that out, just having an off day, because that's really the only time all season, aside from some of the early non-conference when they were just kind of figuring things out, uh that they that they had an off day. So, uh, No Eli Brooks and also just by by virtue of just having that stretch, I think that they were just kind of due at that point to kind of have a letdown. And, you know, the Barns a place that a lot of people get let down.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense and I think on the flip side for those of you listening from the Michigan side, TJ Frederick has been our Eli Brooks in that sense, a guy who The production doesn't show up in the box score per se, um, although it did our last game where he scored 18 points. But him being out with plantar fasciitis has been a huge component of Iowa losing four of five games. You see against Indiana where he goes out in the first half and all of a sudden Iowa can't hit the broadside of a barn and they don't score for 12 minutes against Indiana and lose that game to Indiana, putting them in a bad spot. So C.J. Frederick, I would say, is arguably um, a similar comparison to what Eli Brooks brings to Michigan, but for Iowa
1: yeah uh it's uh, that, that's what's gonna be interesting to see is just uh what, what when you mentioned the offensive side it, it's kind of crazy to me to think that they they would that Iowa would even have a lull i mean it's been the number one offense in the country all season long so uh tell me a little bit more about you know outside of cj Frederick when he's it you know in or out or whatever and how, how that affects the team why is that uh, iowa offense so potent
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with Luka Garza. I mean, anywhere you start with this offense, it has to go to Luka Garza, right? Because what he does is requires a double or triple team almost any time he touches the ball. And what that does is allows Iowa's open three-point shooters to have open looks, right? I mean, so Iowa has a plethora of guys who can shoot the three. And now Connor McCaffrey is another guy who's entered that fold as being able to shoot the three-pointer at at least a 33 to 34% clip, which keeps defenses a bit more honest. When you have C.J. Frederick on the floor, you now have – four guys surrounding Luka Garza who can shoot the three at a reliably high clip, Jordan Bohannon, Joe Wieskamp, CJ Frederick, Connor McCaffrey. So to me, that's where the offense starts. And then the unselfishness of their offense, the fact they're able to, um, they're willing to wait for the right shot, pass it around the perimeter, get it into Luka Garza. And Luka Garza is a willing passer as well. He's averaging 1.8 assists per game. So he's a guy who is willing to get the ball down low and then toss it back out to the perimeter to an open three-point shooter. We saw it last game. Um, against Penn State where he was trying to break the all-time scoring record for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And instead of taking shots close to the rim, he was popping it out to open three-point shooters. So that just goes to show you some of the unselfishness of that Iowa Hawkeye offense. And I think just the ball movement is just really impressive all around, especially for a team that doesn't really have a lot of slashers, right? We don't have a lot of guys on that first string unit that are willing to drive to the basket and do that on a consistent basis. We have Joe camp who can kind of do that at times, but this team is not a very athletic team, but they do a great job of just being unselfish, passing the ball around the perimeter and obviously working their way through Luke Garza.
1: Now on the other end, it's it's a little bit different for the sake of <laughs> defensively. It hasn't been one of the best units. What, what's what's the, what are the strengths of the defense or, are, are, you know, what are the weaknesses? <laughs> Why has it exactly been nearly as good as the offensive side?
0: Yeah. Um, It's hard to think of strengths in the term of actual strengths. I would say we don't suck as much when we play man defense, which is a little bit shocking for a team that lacks an athleticism Um, where we get into a lot of issues is we don't want to, we don't want to get Luca Garza in foul trouble. We don't want to get Jack Nungy in foul trouble. We want to limit the um, liability of our, defenders athletically right so in a man-to-man situation that puts some of our defenders on an island you have a Jordan Bohannon going up against some of the top most athletic guards in the nation and that's not typically a matchup you want to see so what Iowa does is they run a zone unfortunately they do a terrible job at running Mm -hmm. a zone and as long as a team is patient and is willing to look for an open shot and not just take whatever, you know, take whatever shot they can get. They will eventually get an open three point look almost any time down the court. Um, Iowa just doesn't do a great job of their matchup zone of, of stopping guys in the corner. So you get a lot of teams that have wide open threes. They've moved to more man defense the last couple games, which has been really good for them. Um, and I think as we've seen, they haven't, they haven't had those issues with foul trouble and they have a deep bench, a bench that is able to play that man defense, even better play a little bit more press man too. Um, so to me, and it makes sense why Iowa was sticking with the zone as much. I understand the athletic concerns, but I'd rather give up a drive to the basket where we have one of our six foot 11 guys redirecting a shot potentially, but keeping his feet on the ground just putting his hands up versus allowing teams to just drain threes like nobody's business. And I did a report um, a couple of weeks ago where Every team that plays Iowa, just look at a guy who's shooting twenty-five or thirty percent from three, and I guarantee he shoots fifty or sixty percent against Iowa. That's how open they get some of these looks. So Brandon Johnson against Minnesota is a great example. Eight of nine from three against Iowa, um, came in shooting, you know, twenty percent, hitting like four threes all the entire year. So that's really the weakness of this defense. But I think man defense is really where they've been um, good at. Which brings me to the Michigan question of. How has Michigan done against man defenses versus zone defenses? Are they patient and willing to work the ball around to get open looks? All right, y'all, I need to quickly pause the conversation with Isaiah to tell you about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for all of your auto and body part needs from hundreds of manufacturers. I went to rockauto.com when I needed an engine air filter and a cabin air filter. The brick and mortar store was going to charge me $70. I found it on rockauto.com, both parts combined, for $20. And it only took me five minutes after I used their unique and remarkably easy to navigate catalog that's right the prices are always low reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers and it's easy to search through their catalog to find all the parts you need for your car or truck so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com February is Black History Month and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports. The new series called Locked On Presents More Than The Game. This week, we have two conversations for you to wrap up the month. First, a discussion on protests and sports across the leagues. Then, tune in for a discussion on the importance of black history in sports, what's been achieved, and the important work left to be done, all in discussion on the Lockdown Presents podcast feed. Subscribe to the OnRadio.com app wherever you get your podcast at. Now, let's turn our attention back to the conversation Iowa versus Michigan tonight.
1: Well, you, what you just said, all of that is... Michigan fans are licking their chops right now because th- that's been the big strength behind what this Michigan team has been offensively and why it's, it's, it's risen from being like a, a 30 40th ranked offense coming out of the non-conference to being number seven uh, in the country. After that, it is an, ex- an exceedingly patient offense. It's one that, you know, just predicates on ball movement, uh, finding the open guy, Making sure that you you know it's 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 a such an unselfish group because this is a this is a team that has guys like Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner and you know obviously Hunter Dickinson but this is one where a a team where it's like okay you want to take away Hunter Dickinson well okay well then Isaiah is gonna have have a night oh you're gonna take away Hunter and Isaiah well Franz will have a night you're gonna take away find a way to take away all three of those well you got to watch out because. You know, the Ohio State game started with two Eli Brooks threes. Uh, you know, Shondi Brown will come off the bench. He was uh, a leading scorer for Wake Forest, and he's a sixth man for Michigan. Uh, they just have a plethora of options that can really kill you. Uh, and they aren't afraid to, to say, like, to have a guy say, like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about having a night. Mike Smith, the guy who runs the point, uh, just regularly, he doesn't necessarily get double-doubles, but he's always – somewhere hovering around the eight, nine points a game and, uh, anywhere between five and, uh, nine assists a game. This is a a team that had 19 assists against Ohio state and every single game. It seems like Michigan's around 20 assists and the the other team is around five or six. This is a team that just constantly is not worried about padding their own stats about, having you know the, the big look look in the box score they're always just trying to find the open guy and find a way to score and that's what kind of what makes them so formidable outside of just the uh the defense being as sell, uh, stellar as it's been uh it's just the fact that this is an unselfish team and when you say that guys are getting chances at three I mean Michigan and Ohio State finished with the same I think it was like 11 for 24 but Michigan started 10 of 13 in the first half. Uh, So like, that's, that's going to be something to really look out for. If Iowa is willing to surrender the three, that's something that Michigan is really good at. And conversely, one of the things that Michigan has gotten significantly better at, one of the things that used to be a liability and has become generally a strength, because even though Ohio state had 11 threes in the game, this last one, a lot of those ones were very much contested. Uh, so that's uh but that used to be a thing for, for Michigan. It used to be the perimeter defense was terrible and that's become a big strength of theirs. Uh, so that is a matchup that I'm looking forward to particularly the Iowa shooters against the Michigan defense.
0: Yeah, that'll be really interesting. And I want to just quickly note Michigan 16th in the nation and three point percentage, five players shooting over 36%. That was actually a big concern of mine as well. Um, if Fran stays in that zone defense, I think Michigan can really make Iowa pay, um, especially if they are as patient as you're talking about. What has Michigan done defensively that has allowed them to be better on the perimeter? Because um, all these things you're talking about with Michigan – I can say the same thing about Iowa, right? They're, like you said, they're very unselfish. They're patient. They're willing to find the right shot. Um, but what has made Michigan's defense so much better as of late um, in regards to perimeter defense, which is really where Iowa can burn you at, right? Luke is going to get his. Luke is going to get 20 to 30. But as long as Iowa, if you can contain Iowa's three-point shooting, that's how you're going to really handicap this team.
1: Well, they've just been smarter and they've been more open with communication, I think has been the the big thing is that they've, they that a lot of times they would, they would abandon their post uh, on the line and now they've just kind of made it a priority to, to stay on their guy on the line. Make sure you go to hand, you know, hand in the face, uh, make sure that, that those shots are contested, that they didn't want. They were tired of seeing situations where guys were having uncontested shots and they're just not doing that anymore. Uh, they've just been way more active with their hands, with their feet. Uh, that you know, when, when it comes to ball screens, they, they, they have really good rotation. They're really able just to just to get out there. Uh, there is very few, there are very few things and at this point i can't really think of anything that's just a consistent weakness for them defensively whereas perimeter defense used to be the biggest part of it uh the, as far as weak team weaknesses the the ones that they had earlier this year were perimeter defense and offensive turnovers and neither of those things seem to be giant issues anymore uh sometimes yeah they had they have their turnover issues but sometimes they're a little careless but other than that, uh, they just aren't that. So uh, th- that's really been the thing uh, that and the fact that they haven't really uh, they haven't. Th- it seems like they're they're a little bit more tenacious. Right. And yeah. that goes that goes on both sides of the ball as well. They, they have a little bit more of a killer instinct than they had once upon a time. It used to just be more of a uh, uh, you'd you'd see a bunch of long droughts and you know, it's a game of runs and the other team would go for runs and Michigan would have no response. That's not been the case this year compared to last uh, or the last couple uh, to be honest. Cause it was like that under John B as well, but uh, defensively to, to, to finish out on that end. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's, it, it's a lot smarter of a group as far as they're communicating more. They're making sure they're getting handball contests uh, and uh, things of that nature. And that's really played a big part. Yeah. You can get a little bit of the mid range uh, as We saw Rutgers was, like, you know, some people say that, uh, you know, that was uh, Michigan having kind of a failure there. Uh, Well, I think it was more Rutgers had a plan to try to to hit those mid-range shots and uh, it didn't really work out for them. But, you know, if you if you want to take a a shot somewhere, a couple steps in from the arc, those are probably there for you. But you're you're generally not going to you find easy baskets underneath and you're generally not going to find easy shots out on the perimeter.
0: Yeah, I mean in the mid-range shot is arguably the worst shot in college basketball, right? I mean, it's the least successful shot, the the least return on your investment. I'm curious You talk about Hunter Dickinson and the fact that the perimeter defense is so strong, um inside he does a phenomenal job as well. Hunter Dickinson, one of the best, you know, best young players in college basketball. Um I was really excited when you guys lost a couple players last year. And then all of a sudden you kind of reload Breed Hunker Hunter Dickinson and he does a phenomenal job. When I look at his matchups though, he hasn't faced Kofi. He hasn't faced Um, some of the other big-time guys in the conference. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, for example, at Indiana. He has gone up against Liam Robbins, who is a a fantastic defender, and he has faced up against Travian Williams, another guy who has been pretty good this year for Purdue. In those three games, his first game against Liam Robbins, 28 points, 8 rebounds, 1 turnover. The second time, though, 9 points, 5 rebounds, 5 turnovers. And against Travian Williams, 8 points, 3 rebounds, 6 turnovers. Was there anything in particular that – Resulted in a struggle, at least you could say, for for um, Hunter Dickinson in those games, or was it just you know bad matchups his good centers? Um, can you maybe elaborate a little bit more on what Hunter Dickinson uh, might be able to or might not be able to do against Luka Garza? Basically,
1: well, essentially that that was kind of the start of teams really honing in on him to the point where they were they were starting to double uh, because he just wasn't facing. I mean, that, that's the thing; you don't have a scouting report on a, on a guy and you know, you don't necessarily know what his strengths and weaknesses are until he gets, you know, 10 games under his belt. You you kind of don't know what to do, you know, you and just, you know, let him, you know, you don't say like right off the gates, you know, game two, you're probably not going to say we need to take away that, that true freshman, you know? Yeah. So, so I think that that was the biggest part was once they started running the offense through him and he wasn't even a starter to start the season. So that. once he, Once he finally started, uh, when Austin Davis went out with plantar fasciitis uh, and Hunter started getting those starts, uh, the offense really, truly started to run through him more and more. Uh, It already kind of was just by virtue of uh, that was where Michigan got some of its spark. Uh, You you look back to week two or game two rather against Oakland, Michigan went to overtime. It was Hunter Dickinson that was the the big difference. And, you know, true freshman in his second game. Uh, so eventually, once he started getting more comfortable, they really started running the offense through him. Uh, and then teams like Minnesota started figuring that out and they started trying to stop him. And some game you know, some games that worked, uh, and others it, it didn't necessarily because uh, you looked at, um, I think it was actually the first Minnesota game. Uh, they they tried to to double him and it just it, it it worked on him at first, and then everyone else was scoring. And then they had to abandon their doubles I, 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 to my recollection. And I don't really remember that second Minnesota game that well uh, it uh, they they didn't have to worry about it as much. Number one, because Eli wasn't out there. Uh, but secondly, it you know, it, it, I think it was part of that was they also learned to take away that left that left side for him. Make sure that the uh, because he's a left handed guy, but he can shoot with both hands. Uh, but they really made sure that he had uh, contested shots uh, down below. He was off his spot, that type of stuff. On top of occasionally doubling him, uh, really that that's still been the name of the game for most of these games, except for this Ohio State game. And uh, Ohio State was leaving leaving him one on one, and it took a half before Michigan t- Tart sort of take advantage of it, uh, which kind of didn't make any sense because Ohio State doesn't have a dominant big man. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of their their guys are somewhat undersized. Uh, so with that in mind, if someone bodies him and takes him off his spot, if Luca takes him off his spot, uh, especially on the left side, uh, then that can, that could pay dividends. But if he gets on a spot on the right side, uh, he could make a move, you know? So that's, that's the big thing. If you can, if you can cover him one-on-one and still keep Michigan, uh, you know, from, from kind of doing what it wants to do, then that's, that's the, that's probably the big key uh, because if you double him in any way, Michigan will be patient enough to figure out how it can make you pay. That's uh, that's, you know, that unselfishness in action.
0: Alright y'all, one more pause before we wrap up with segment number three of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast, continuing that crossover episode. I do want to tell you about betonline.ag. You might want to place some money on tonight's game. And if you go to betonline.ag which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, you can get in on the action tonight. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Betonline.ag even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline. BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up today. Head over to the website or use the mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Locked On to get that 50% welcome bonus at BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag, sign up for that free account, use the promo code Locked On, get 50% of a welcome bonus with that first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, y'all. There's simply no better place to get all the news on the Big Ten conference than with Big Ten Ben Stevens in the Locked On Big Ten podcast. Whether it's football, basketball, baseball, if it's happening in the Big Ten, Big Ten Ben's got you covered with an in-depth look at the conference every Monday through Friday. Subscribe to Locked On Big Ten wherever you get your podcast at. Now let's wrap up our crossover episode with Isaiah of Locked On Wolverines breaking down tonight's game. Yeah, sounds like very similar offensive approaches all around, and I think Um, Out of all big men, Luki Gars isn't known for his defensive energy per se, or sorry, defensive prowess per se, but he does bring the the intellect to that. He does do a good job of bodying up and just, again, redirecting shots, forcing players to do what they don't want to do. I'm sure he's been watching game film. I'm sure he kind of knows exactly what you're saying as well. So from my perspective, that seems like, Iowa's in a better position than most teams to be able to handle Michigan offensively. Now, again, we go back to the fact that Iowa is not an overall good defensive team. They've had a good spurt the last four games, but they haven't faced a team like a Michigan, which will be very difficult. So I'm very, very interested to see how that all works out for the Iowa Hawkeyes in this game.
1: Yeah, um, that's, that's the big thing to me, I mean, because you you look on paper and I was formidable and it seemed like it's been, it seemed like this was the matchup to, to look out for, for Michigan all season long. And uh, you know, I was offense stayed hot, but the defense just kind of slowly kept on uh, going down further and further losses, mounting up and everything. So uh, it, it's been kind of a, a crazy journey to watch what the Hawkeyes are doing. We they're obviously capable of winning any given night, which is why, you know, this is certainly not a type of game where I'd look at and say, like, well, Michigan should win, uh, because when you're going up against the number one offense in the country, and Michigan just went up against a better offense and allowed 87 points, and the defense wasn't uh, wasn't quite as formidable. So that is the the thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing is how, how does how is that handled? Uh, how and Iowa also, you know, having having lost on the road and some of the things of that nature. How how does that work out? Like you know, as far as coming to Chrysler, like how what is the difference between Iowa the home team and Iowa the road team?
0: Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to me. Honestly, it hasn't been that much of a difference. Uh, We've seen Iowa blow some leads in you know on away courts at Minnesota, for example. But Iowa home versus away hasn't been that big of an issue. They've had the same struggles at home as they have. On the road, you look at the Indiana game. Uh, they struggled both times against Indiana. Uh, just all around, not great performances either way, whether or not they were at Carver. Um, they're a team that I think having fans in the stadium really helps them. And having fans on away courts actually helps them too. Jordan Bohannon loves playing on away courts. He loves the energy of opposing fans. And so it's really interesting, whereas you expect – you know, home court advantage and away court to be a bad spot for them. They've shown, they went up to, they went to Michigan state and handed Tom Izzo the worst loss he's almost ever had. Uh, you know, thank you
1: for that, by the way. Yeah.
0: I, I thought you might like that. Yeah. He handed the worst loss, the wrestling center, but then again, you go, you have Indiana come at home, and Indiana's a team we should match up with really well. I mean, everything Indiana does poorly is what we do well. Everything Indiana does well, we do better. I mean, it just looked like on paper, we should have smoked Indiana both games, and we lost to Indiana once being at Carver. So to me, um, being at home is always nice, right? You're sleeping in your own bed, you're very familiar with the court, you know how the court works, the, the rims, and all that stuff. But Iowa on the road hasn't been that much of a, a, a downfall per se, they still do a solid job on the road. So to me, that's not as huge of a concern on the flip side is Michigan, a good home team. Is, is there, is there still a home court advantage being in Michigan despite not having fans?
1: Uh, So far it's been that way, but uh, I mean, I guess it's, you know, you could go, you know, for Michigan. I mean, their only loss has been at Minnesota. Uh, That's their only loss on the season. Totally. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, getting a win in Columbus for the first time since uh, 2014, uh, it kind of tells you that they they can win anywhere as well, but uh, not a lot of struggles at, at home. And it seems like you you look at Minnesota being the difference, right? Like you know you look at Minnesota, they go you know they play Minnesota at home, they blow them out. Then they go and get blown out at the barn. They they absolutely annihilate Wisconsin at home. Uh, granted, their their return game uh, uh, on Valentine's Day was. After three weeks of not playing, but it took a comeback to, to get back there. Uh, definitely a team. I think that is more comfortable at home than they are away, but there isn't much evidence to show save for that Minnesota yeah. game that it's a different team uh, per se, because they've won every game except for that one so far. So it's uh this is a team that, that is about as complete as any. And I think the big question for me, when it comes to Michigan coming into this game is the stretch here at the end is no joke. Uh, They just came off an emotional win beating the number four team in the country. It's a rival. Uh, Then you've got this big game against Iowa. You still have uh, Indiana, Illinois and two against Michigan state. And really it's, you're not going to be able to take a night off. Michigan state just proved that by uh, taking down Illinois last night. So, uh, and it would be, you know, as bad as a loss against Ohio state would have been, you know, on Sunday. A loss on either of these games against Michigan State would be arguably worse because when it comes to the basketball rivalry, there's a reason why that Michigan State game is the last uh, on the schedule. Yeah. So uh, that's the other thing I'm looking for is how does Michigan stay up? Now we haven't seen them take off days except for one. So that's uh, I, I'm curious though to see with the way that this starts off, it might not even be this Iowa game. I think they'll they'll be up for this Iowa game. I think I'm I'm more so looking at. Indiana mm-hmm. as being one of those ones that might feel like a little bit more of a trap.
0: Yeah. Indiana has been a trap game for a lot of teams. They are able to take advantage of that. They're not, they're a solid team and they're will, they're able to do a couple things that can make teams very uncomfortable. They're they're very physically defense, you know, very physical defensively. So definitely a concern there. Isaiah would it be safe to assume that you are predicting a Michigan win here. Um,
1: I think I am, and that's just by virtue of Iowa's defense yep. not being quite as big, uh, not not as uh, formidable. If Iowa had just a semblance of a defense, essentially, then I'd I'd be a lot more inclined to, to pick Iowa. I would have picked Iowa earlier, but at, at this point, Michigan's just kind of been rolling, uh, and I, I think that it will be a close game, but it, I think it will be very similar to the way that uh, this Ohio State game went. I think it will be body blow after body blow. And maybe within the last minute, Michigan's up five.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I would, I would be dumb to. to think Iowa should win this game. Uh, I am obviously hoping for an Iowa win, as any Iowa fan would want. Um, for number one seed purposes, I need Michigan to just absolutely fall off the cliff of the earth for the next five games. So I'm a big Michigan State fan, especially if Iowa wins this game, which I'm sure you don't like to hear. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I do. I think I think Michigan wins this game. Um, Iowa needs to be either Michigan or Ohio State. However, I do think the fact that they came off a very physical game against Penn State, they should be ready to go. Um, but it does concern me going on the road to michigan this strong michigan team they haven't faced yet Uh, not as much film on them from a how do some other big men handle hunter dickinson and I, i know Iowa's defense has been strong as of late but it does concern me hearing what you're saying this is probably the second best offense iowa has faced outside of gonzaga and we saw how that went but i do predict a high scoring game isaiah it has been a blast as always i hope on friday it's an iowa win we're talking about but uh any last things you want to say before we end the show man
1: uh not really i think i'm just uh, i'm excited for this game to 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 happen you know it, it it feels like torture when you go from sunday all the way till thursday it does. you almost wish it, you wish that the game was tonight you know you wish it yep. was Wednesday. you know at least you know let's just crank them out let's just keep going
0: yeah man uh these games are tough i wish these are the games i wish i wasn't an iowa fan and i could just watch this game you know without having any sort of rooting interest for either team and just enjoy the fun basketball. We're going to see.
1: See, that's, uh, that's where I I've been pretty, I've become pretty detached from, from Michigan and, you know, covering Michigan from, from, for Wolverines wire when I, from back when I was at 24 seven sports, it's, uh, you you learn that detachment, uh, otherwise you can't function when, you know, you get to (laughs) post game and, and you have to write, I remember the first, uh, granted the first big loss that either the first loss that I had to cover as a uh, michigan writer was uh the uh trouble with the snap game in 2015 and my my editor just said you know what just get out of there don't go to the post game so uh but after that you know next loss ohio state it's like you sit there and you have that pit in your stomach and you have to you learn like okay i gotta figure out how to not have that so it's tough man I I get to watch it with that detachment. So, uh, but uh, nonetheless, for some reason, basketball, it's a little bit harder than football for me. It's, you know, I find myself almost uh, becoming a fan during it, but.
0: I'm jealous. I've worked on that. I think for Sunday or for uh, Saturday football games, I always wait till Sunday to do any sort of recording because at that point I've been able to detach myself from the process, but it is tough. The, the, The immediate reactions after these games are rough. Iowa versus Indiana. Oh man, I was... I, that had to have been the most depressing episode I've ever recorded. It was so tough for me to record that right after the game. It, it's tough, man. It, it'll be fun. I'm excited for the game. Should be a blast. Um, as always, Isaiah, love ha- love talking to you about this. Uh, and go Hawks, man.
1: All right, man. That sounds good. We'll talk after the game.
0: I love it. All right, y'all, and that will do it for our show today. Appreciate you all tuning in. If you like the show, please make sure to subscribe wherever you downloaded it at so you can get it downloaded directly to your smart device every single day. We are here Monday through Friday, except for this past Tuesday where I was sick. So that being said, thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate Your listenership, your love and support, as always. And we'll be back tomorrow breaking down what happened in tonight's game and giving you a brief preview of Iowa versus Ohio State. Thank you all again for tuning in to tonight or to this morning's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Have a fantastic day and let's go, Hawks.